This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. In San Francisco this past Thursday night, 30-12 to 12 was the final score. And I'm here to let Giants fans, before we get back to the phone calls at 800-919-3776, uh, still got the Jet fans who want to talk. We'll get to you in a moment. I'm here to let Giant fans know that you have every right to be annoyed. You have every right to be agitated. You have every right to not love what it is that you've seen so far from this team. Because remember... The narrative coming into the season, which I vehemently rejected, but it was present. It was the Giants will be a better team, but it won't reflect in the standings because the schedule is tougher. They're, pl- they're, they're playing superior competition. They'll be a better team. It's just not going to look like it because it's tougher. Honestly, is that the story of this team so far? Because the Giants last week, Avoided their season being over by coming back to beat Arizona. But the question is, did it ultimately delay the inevitable? Being down 21 points to that team is an utter embarrassment. Starting your season by being outscored 60 to nothing is pathetic. And now, you know, you come back, you beat Arizona, but then you fall to San Francisco, which means you're right back to being in that same boat you were prior to the Arizona comeback. And that is if you lose at home next Monday night to Seattle, season's over. Is there any belief that they start one and three? They look awful against Dallas. They look awful against San Francisco. They look awful for a half against Arizona. Then they lose to Seattle. And now you are, you know, ready to take off, having to go on the road to beat Miami, who could win the AFC East, or Buffalo, who could win the AFC East. You think that's about to happen? No, you'd be staring at one and five, which is why next Monday becomes the biggest game of the season. It's the latest game being played. It's crucial. And it's against a team that, in theory, you should be battling for uh, as far as the wild card. Because the Giants aren't winning this division. Seahawks aren't winning their division. That's going to be a team that you're going to be battling. So it would be in your, you know, it would be of the essence. It would be it would behoove you to go out there and get this W. Keep your season alive. And I talked about it last segment. This defense was supposed to be improved. Through three games, they're the worst defense in football. The offense, we were told, was supposed to be monumentally better. And shout-out to Bill Barnwell for pointing this out on Twitter the other day. They're averaging 4.3 yards per play this season. Now, I understand losing Saquon is huge. That's your best offensive weapon. So, of course, you're not going to have the same efficacy as you would, you know, if he's in the lineup. And he's coming off of a game where, at least in the second, fa- in the second half, he was tremendous. He was outstanding. Overall, 63 rushing yards, 29 receiving yards, but two total touchdowns and was really the, the, the driving force, outside of Daniel Jones, of course, of that comeback against Arizona to stave off, not elimination, but a disastrous start to your year. But honestly, I don't get the feeling that I'm watching a team that right now is more talented and simply losing because the competition is greater. To be outscored 63-6 to six in the first halves of these games? I mean, asking them to overcome deficits every single week at halftime? And by the way, it's the first 
Giants, uh, the Giants became the first team since 2008 to start a season with three straight first halves of sub 100 yards. So you're getting ineptitude to start the game, and that has to fall on somebody. You know, I don't want to knee jerk and say it's coaching, but who else can we blame for that? Daniel Jones running for his life. The offensive line looks like a mess. But to start off games and you're just getting hammered early and asking your team week after week to come back, it's just not a recipe for success. Speaking of recipes, zero turnovers forced by your defense on top of bad tackling, you're asking to get beat. You're asking to get stomped on. And where's Waller? He had that two plays on, on Thursday night against San Francisco. The one that led to the interception and then the one that was over his head. Right? that he, got, he has to make those catches. These were supposed to be difference makers. Where's Jalen Hyatt? What did he play? Nine snaps the other night? And I get, like, the game plan because, you know, the challenges that your offensive line have created, especially going up against a stout defense like San Francisco, you want to get the ball out of Daniel Jones' hands quicker. So it means quicker routes, and you don't have the time to get Hyatt down the field. So maybe he is not best suited for a game like that. But it's just all offseason, all preseason, all training camp, we heard about Waller and Hyatt and how they were going to be the difference makers. And so far, that has not materialized. But, you know, the Giants right now, just you look at it's hard to watch them their last Three games, or let's call it four games. Could you even go back to the, the Philadelphia playoff game? 38-7. 40 to nothing to Dallas. 28-7 down to Arizona before you come back. Blown out by the Niners, 30-12. to You just keep getting waxed. And the fan base is supposed to be patient? Supposed to look at this and say, yeah, we're headed in the right direction? Does this look like a team that's going to finish with a winning record in its division? We talked about how critical that was coming into the season. Like the fact that last year they were, what, 4-7-1 and one against above 500 teams. They won one division game and they still made the playoffs. That's an aberration. You should never be successful with that formula. So that was a key point of emphasis coming in, into the season this time around. Got to get those divisional games. Got to find a way to meet Dallas and, and, and meet Philly halfway. Get a game on those guys. And I said sweep Washington, but all of a sudden the commanders are 2-0. and And by the way, shout out to Eric Bieniemy, man. I mean, what does this guy have to do to get more consideration for a head coaching job? Like he, all, all Mahomes did, you know, and Mahomes is, might be the greatest talent we've ever seen at the position. But with Eric Bieniemy, you know, as the OC, five straight AFC championship games. And now you look at the, the commanders, the seventh highest scoring offense in the league belongs to a team quarterbacked by Sam Howell. So give some luck to Eric Bieniemy. And the Washington Commanders don't look like the pushover. So can you expect that the Giants are going to sweep them? It's not looking good so far. Still early, but next Monday night against Seattle, a must win? Absolutely. That is not hyperbole at all. Mike's in New Jersey. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's going on, boss? How you doing, um, man? Good. Uh, I wanted to disagree with you on one point and give one point about uh, Zach Wilson. Uh, one of the callers called up and was comparing uh, the Trey Lance uh, 49ers situation to the Jets situation with Zach. And you're like, oh, well, the, the Niners have been a, a Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, they, they have. It's probably because they make decisions like that. They don't allow uh, 
their mistakes to compound uh, ruining seasons. I mean, if if Zach Wilson was going to be a, a reclamation project this year and learn under Aaron Rodgers, why didn't they just make him the third-string quarterback or emergency quarterback and bring somebody in or even keep Mike White? Yeah, they should have. could run an offense. Well, I, I think Mike I White mean, wanted to go somewhere where, you know, he was going to have yeah. a, a legitimate opportunity no, to start. No, Mike White, but somebody who could run the offense. I, fe- I hear yeah. you. And and the other the other point, I mean, one of the callers called up and was talking about Lamar Jackson. Everyone had a chance to draft him and this and that. I, I think a lot of these quarterbacks are lucky to go to some of the situations they do, and that's why they're successful. Absolutely, there are very few. There are very few quarterbacks. Like if Lamar Jackson went to the Jets, he probably would have stunk. I mean, look I mean, at Justin he's, Fields. He's Justin, look at Justin Fields and what's going on with Chicago right now. Like that, that Bears situation yeah. is an atrocity. You can't tell me yeah, like he's I, this bad. I, I, my point is, a, a lot of these players, especially when they go number one or two overall, they're they're going to horrible situations. There's a reason these teams are drafting number one or two, and 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 the way it's set up now. They throw these rookies right in. It used to be they they would sit for a year, maybe two or three, like Jordan Love, and they they would get used to the game and learn the offense, and then they would get to play. Now they just get thrusted right in there, and after one or two years and they stink, they want to get rid of them. Mike, so I, I, I'm confused. What are you disagreeing with me on? Because I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. No, just, just with the 49ers point, you said that the uh, – that the reason they, they got rid of Trey Lance is because they had built up equity. The reason they, they go to the, the Super Bowl or have good organizations is because they make decisions like that. They don't get supple, uh, so supplemental about these picks. And, no. Well, oh, he's the number two pick. We have to hold on to him. Listen, but, listen, Mike, I, I appreciate the call. I didn't say the reason that they, they traded him was because they built up equity. The reason they traded him was because Kyle Shanahan, got what he felt was a good look at this guy and said, no, he's not the answer to our quarterback situation. Brock Purdy has now won, what, th- eight? He's 8-0 eight and as a starter in the regular season. The Niners have won 13 straight regular season games. So they didn't get rid of him because they built up equity. They just didn't think, for whatever reason, he was going to be their answer, the answer that they were looking for. Now, my, the point that I made about you know, why you can't compare what the Niners are to what the Jets are, you know, outside of the obvious is that you look at their track record and the combination of Lynch and Shanahan in the last four years, they've been to three conference championship games and in one year they went to the Super Bowl. So when you have that success on your resume, you are afforded the opportunity to overcome drastic mistakes like, you know, trading up to get the number three pick in the draft and that being a total bust. That's my point. You build up equity because of your results and what you produce. And then we see Shanahan and Lynch yesterday get rewarded. They just got extensions. Aaron's in the car. What's up, Aaron? Hey, Aaron. What's up, Ty? What's up, company? Taekwondo in the dojo. What's up, baby? Saturday afternoon. I love it. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. What's up? What's going on? Uh, I'd be be doing a lot better if Aaron Rodgers was still our quarterback. Uh, But we have Zach Wilson. You know what's so funny? And it's not even funny, Aaron. (laughs) Like, I I was actually mourning that. Well, because I, you know, I'm, we we're all ex- excited for the game, and then we watched that happen. It took me, it took me like six straight days to get out of bed and not be sad. And I started to like, you know, 
face what the music was and whatever. This is the future. You got to you gotta endure it. And then a couple of days ago, I woke up and I was back to being depressed. I'm just like, man, Jets just can't have nice things. No, we really can't, man. It's, it is so unfortunate. Just go from such a high to such a low. Uh, it absolutely sucks. But on uh, tomorrow's game, so for us to have any kind of chance whatsoever, we got to run the ball down their throat. I'm talking like I want to see Brees and Dalvin get 20 touches apiece and another 10 for Michael Carter because if we're banking on Zach Wilson dropping back 30-plus times and completing passes, it's not going to happen. Now, granted, the offensive line isn't doing many favors, but I, I, me personally, I, I, I think you and I feel the same way. We watched him long enough. The guy can't play. I mean, his own teammates don't even believe in him. So, in order for us to have any kind of chance, the running game has to be a point of emphasis. Look, I, I agree with that. I appreciate that, Aaron. I thought the reaction last week to the Jet game and their their play calling was was infuriating. I thought people missed the mark. Did you watch the first play of the game where they ran at Brees Hall? I think it was to the left side, and it was negative four yards. So they're second and 14. Everyone thinks that they're curing cancer, which is what the game plan should be for the Jets. Run the ball. force you know, Make Zach a game manager. Give the ball to Brees. Give it to Dalvin Cook. Win it on defense. You don't think the Cowboys understand that's what the Jets want to do? Oh, they'll never see this coming. Of course they see it coming. The Jets last week had 11 carries for 28 yards and a big fumble in that third quarter that essentially ended the game where Dalvin Cook, you know, he Michael Parsons just ripped it away from him and that game was over. How do you watch that happen? 11 carries, 28 yards, big fumble, first play of the game, they ran backwards. How do you watch all that happen? And then the criticism is they should have run the ball more. It wasn't working. And the problem is, like, you know, the whole you know, Mike Tyson line. Everyone has a plan to get punched in the mouth. When the Cowboys march down the field on your 85 Bears defense to score a touchdown on the opening drive, it's hard to stay committed to just running the ball because you're going to be running out of time. That offense can get it going. That defense is electrifying. It's relentless. So they weren't having success, and now when you go down two scores, you're forced to try to throw your way back into the game. And I thought Zach actually did a pretty good job. Again, you know, we kind of grade him on a curve compared to what he was and what we've seen the last couple of years. I thought he did a pretty good job hanging in there, hanging in the game. We saw him, you know, escaping the pocket. You're so used to watching him run backwards. You see him run forward for first down. You're like, oh my god! I didn't know he had that in him. He does have athleticism. You'd love to see him incorporate that more. And I thought in the first half, he looked solid. And the, the Garrett, Garrett Wilson would have had another touchdown, but the ball got on that final possession where they got the field goal to go into the halftime where they were, they were down 18-10. to 10. He, he throws the ball on third down, and, and it gets tipped at the line of scrimmage. Garrett's wide open in the end zone, so it could have been a lot closer. It's just you want to run the ball to win the games. Obviously, when other teams know you want to do that and other teams are great defensively with great defensive minds, it's not going to always work out that way. 800-919-3776. I see your phone calls. We'll get to them when we return right here on 987 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Both teams looking to save their season. Let's go to Sean in Queens. 
He wants to talk at 800-919-3776. What's up, Sean? Yeah, what's going on, fellas, man? Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you, bro. I think I, I think I got the solution for this Zach Wilson. Oh, you might be the first person I, to have this. I'm excited about it, Sean. Let's hear it. Yeah, you know what it is? I just don't think he has that dog in him. He doesn't have that dog in him. And it, it, if you look at all the great quarterbacks in the league right now, they all have that fight, that dog in them. You take Justin Fields, for instance, the other day, and he made some comments about the playbook, and he he, he doesn't like the plays or whatever. But all he's saying is, let me off the leash. Let me off this leash and let me do what I do. That's the dog in him. Aaron Rodgers, when you see him miss a play, he gets down on himself. He, he He's like, ah, I should have made that play. Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, you don't see that in him. Even in his press conferences, it feels like I'm listening to a bedtime story. He's saying <laughs> all the pretty, the pretty nice things. Like sometimes you gotta, you gotta be a worse critic. And and I, I go back to the men's U.S. Open when uh, Djokovic won his, his 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 match. I think one of the games he he played poorly, and he went in a in the back. And a reporter came out and asked him, well, what did you tell yourself? Like, he came out, he was a different person. He was like, yeah, I, I looked in the mirror and was like, I'm playing like trash. You have to be your worst critic and tell yourself I am playing like trash. Yeah. And you gain the respect in a locker room like that. You can't be the Mr. Nice Guy in the NFL. You can't. This is a man's league. I'm looking at the Nick Chubb injury the other day. Mm, brutal. This leg went. This dude's leg went one way, his body went the other. And he's sitting on a cart talking. Had that been me, I'd have been passed out, man. <laughs> but that's, just, that's just the dog in these players. He doesn't have that dog in him. So it's not a playbook thing. It, 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 it's, it's not the weapons he has around him. Because it, the Jets, offensively, they have weapons. Yes, they do. But he doesn't have that, that dog in him to, all right, I'm going to get you the ball right now. I see the mismatch. I'm going to get you the ball. He doesn't have that dog in him, man, and, and that's all I wanted. To I, I don't, I don't know that, and I appreciate the call. I don't know that that's the full answer or the full solution where he's got to get more of the dog. And I would agree that, you know, we saw last year after, you know, ironically enough, the New England game, the ten three Marcus Jones punt return for a touchdown. The Jet offense picked up six downs, six first downs the entirety of the game. We saw the lack of accountability. Right, we were looking for him to go up to the podium afterwards, and when asked, "Do you feel like you let your team down?" You to emphatically say, "Yes, that was on me." And to your point, that can galvanize the guys in your locker room. You talk about being a leader of men, of fifty-three guys trying to take command of a team. It's not just about the X's and O's, and it's not just about how you're producing. It's about how how you carry yourself, how you behave, both to the team and to the media. And you're supposed to stand up there and eat those bullets because, yes, Zach, that was on you. You let your team down. And this year, you know, he's trying his best. Like the, the, the commentary coming from him is a little bit different. But ultimately, it needs to be met with better results. And so far, it, 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 we haven't seen it because they won the Buffalo game, but that really wasn't him. That Xavier Gibson made, it, you know, just an all-time Jets moment play. You know, as you know, coming back in that overtime and, and running it back for or for a touchdown. Because I don't think there was any Jet fan who thought if they had gotten the ball after Josh Allen goes three and out, they were going to march down the field and win that game. It wasn't going to happen. You bring up Nick Chubb, man. You know, watching that, 
That's brutal, especially for a guy. It, it, you know, we talk about you. You hate to see it for great players. You hate to see it for for anyone, especially a guy who just, you know, what eight years ago dislocated his left knee where he tore his MCL, PCL, LCL, had cartilage damage. There were questions about whether or not he could ever play football again. He battled back from that, and then he injured that same knee uh, against Pittsburgh. He's out for the season. So now the Browns have pivoted. They've re-signed Kareem Hunt as they try to stay in the thick of things in the AFC. Let's go to Jose in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose? Hey, good afternoon, Ty. Shout out to the company. Definitely wanted to chime in because, you know, I I, I definitely want to, you know, talk about the Jets and see, see the scenarios, listening to what other callers are saying. And the thing that's just very concerning and very alarming is, is is the job of being a draft evaluator hard? Yes, it is. Because I'm not going to pretend to know all the hours and videotapes and everything that they watch and pretty much sit down and evaluate. But it's just, you know, but but there there is there, there was a time where I felt like I was kind of being insulted by even Hall of Famers who were going on this radio station, you know, talking up, you know, the athleticism that I didn't see because at the end of the day, BYU is a, a, it's not in a conference. It's an independent where they get to pick their own schedule. And it was during a year where not every college football football university had a full season. So it was definitely a lot of things and factors that contributed to Zach Wilson's draft stock rising. And what's really concerning is is where I'm seeing a privilegedness that is pretty much coming hand in hand, where we're kind of giving Zach Wilson every excuse in the world, where I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I saw Brock Purdy and the lack of respect that he gets because he has all the weapons around him. I saw him at Iowa State. He was miles away better than Zach Wilson. It's not even a question. So for and I got to see those games all on FS1 because because that's where the that's where Iowa State was had most of their games. So I'm just very confused and perplexed of of why he's getting all of these built-in excuses when we all kind of know. Hey, it's okay that we we, we admit that we we made a mistake. We drafted a we, we, we drafted the wrong person and that that's where the the, the real biggest problem is and I, it's not that I hate the kid, it's more of he represents what the Jets instability and yeah. institutional failure is. And, and, and the that's Jets kind of my point. Yeah, and I appreciate the call. The, the the Jets didn't believe in him. If they did, they would not have traded for Aaron Rodgers. They would not have had the first pick or first round pick swap. And then what they thought was a first-round pick next year because you assumed Rodgers was going to play 65% of his snaps. They didn't believe in him. So it was – it was they have to do it, but it was funny to listen to them tell you, yeah, you know, this guy started 5-2 and two last year. People forget that. You, y'all forgot it when y'all benched him twice and then tr- traded for his replacement. But if the criticism is maybe they should have got a more representable backup because he just wasn't ready, my question to that is just like who who's the guy that they people keep saying they should have had a legitimate backup. Who's the guy that should have been backing them up? I want to know the name. Who's the guy you look at and you say 
they should have signed or traded for him to be Aaron Rodgers' backup. Because you got to you got to give us a name. There has to be someone that comes to mind. And and people, you know, go to Jacoby Brissett. That's the name you hear. And my question simply is, would he have wanted to come here knowing he's backing up Rodgers as opposed to going to Washington where he's backing up Sam Howell? And you had no idea what Sam Howell was going to do. And with Eric Bieniemy as your offensive coordinator, you know, there's a chance that Jacoby Brissett, who started so far 48 games in his career, is going to be able to go there and get an opportunity to do more of the same. Whereas he's coming to the Jets and you're signing up to be nothing more than a backup. You're never getting into the game. So I I just find it curious. When people keep throwing Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett, would he have wanted to come here? Like You're just assuming this is the situation he would have wanted to be in. Because for him as an individual, the commanders, that's a lot more favorable. Backing up how, as opposed to backing up Rodgers. 800-919-3776. More of your phone calls when we return. Connor Rogers at the top of the hour. We're going until 630 right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Meaning he's out for at least the next four games, which is just, you know... He he experienced an injury last year, had shoulder surgery, and now he's back to the IR. So I don't know at age, what is he, 37, how much you can expect from him. You know, he went from questionable and a very good chance of playing, as you heard Robert Sala say, to injury, injury reserve. So that is quite the turnaround, 800-919-3776. Let's go to Sharif in the car. What's up, Sharif? Hey, what's going on? Um, I just want to talk about, you know, it's, it's the same thing with, with, I'm talking about the Jets defense. You know, you play basketball, you play man or you play zone. When you play zone, being, you, you, there's no aggressiveness. You, you can't be aggressive. But when you play man to man, you could be more aggressive. You could be, you can lean on somebody. And I think that that's what made them do so bad against, against the Cowboys. They didn't allow them to play man to man defense and, and be aggressive. The zone defense is horrible for a team that has that much talent and you have them on their, on their heels instead of them forward. Yeah, you could make the case. I appreciate the call, Sharif, that you are taking Sauce, your your best defensive back, away from being most effective and most utilized because, you know, he's not traveling and he's not at all times guarding the opposing team's best player. And we know he's capable of doing that. I, I feel like so far this season he hasn't looked his best. But we know he's one of the best cornerbacks in football. And if he's not going to be utilized the correct way or a way that I don't want to say correct because they're the coaching staff, they're the experts, but a way that you know we envision him being most successful for this team, then it's going to be something we question, especially if it doesn't work. When they go out there and give up 30 points to the Cowboys, and you're supposed to be the 85 Bears defense. Arthur is in Long Island. What's up, Arthur? Hey, uh, I love your work, brother. Thank you, man. Uh, I go I go way back, Joe Willie. Back in the day, uh, a new quarterback sat four or five years to learn the game. Mm-hmm. Now, a, a young, young learned under Montana, and now – the, what's the urgency with, okay, you dra- draft a quarterback in the top five. 
why do you throw him right into the fray without letting him uh, learn the game, learn the speed of the game? It's big time different from college. And uh, on that last call, uh, Salah's being a little stubborn with not going to man. Can he do some kind of hybrid, some zone and some zone uh, man? What do you think? Well, maybe, uh, but it doesn't sound like something he wants to do, and I appreciate the call. As far as, because you're the second caller to bring up these guys coming in and starting right away. I, so I think there are a couple of elements to it. One is, as far as fiscally responsible, you are trying at, at as best you can to leverage the fact that you have your starting quarterback on a rookie contract, which opens up your finances in a way where you can now go out and spend and trade all your picks away and get the complimentary pieces around him so that when it's time to pay your quarterback, you've already won. And now your quarterback is good enough to, even with a, a roster that is to some degree depreciating, still be good enough to go out there and, and continue to compete for championships. So I think that's one facet of it. The other facet is, like, are there enough good quarterbacks in football? Because we talk about the same guys, like Mahomes and Burrow and Herbert and Allen and Lamar and, and Hurts. But then there's like a significant drop-off between the best and those who are average, and then from those who are average to those who are just bad and guys you can't really win with. And if the great quarterbacks, like this this is interesting to, to kind of get into. We've seen better quarterbacks, obviously, right? But as far as the top of the food chain, is this, are we in an era where this is like the best you've ever seen? Where there are like seven to, to ten really good to great quarterbacks all at the same time, and then there's a significant drop-off between that group of guys and then the rest of everyone else, which makes it harder to win if you're just an average quarterback. So if you don't have that quarterback you think that can help you win, you bring in someone with excellent potential and then once again trying to you know, put yourself from an organization standpoint in, in a position where you can capitalize on him not making a lot of money, and now you can go out there and get a bunch of weapons for him. So that's just that. That those are just my thoughts on it. Buddha's in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha? What's going on, bro? I'm here, man. It's I, I'm 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 paying attention to this game as best as I can. You know, we both rooting for Dion so far. Not going well. Twenty-one nothing, Oregon. Not going well at all. And by the way, so I just came across that video, uh, Julian put me on to this, where the mascot of Oregon marches onto the field with the Dion hat trying to troll him, and then there's a primetime clock that he's beating, and then as he's beating the clock, his hat falls off, so the mascot has to run back into the tunnel. You don't mess with karma. We just got an interception. I mean, you know, we just got an interception. Let's see if if we could put some points up. But but Oregon is a better team. They have better talent. They were twenty-one point dogs, and and I'm your your feed's ahead of mine. I'm I'm just seeing the interception uh, by Jackson. So or uh, so Colorado's now got the ball down three scores, seven forty-three left in the first half, and the chance to try to put some points on the board. All right, now let's get into this Joe Douglas thing, and I'm going to take all emotion out of it, and I'm first going to start with. I'm not going to do Zach Wilson critique for two reasons. First reason is, to me, that's just a lazy, you know, approach to, to, to everything. Obviously, Zach Wilson was a bad pick, but 
just Google Woody Johnson, CEO of JetBlue, Zach Wilson, and then I, I can't blame all, that whole pick on Joe Douglas. I, I think he was kind of compelled to make that pick personally. But now, look, this is where we, we can critique Joe Douglas. And then, like I said, all emotion out of it. First move he does, he comes in, he meets with Sam Donald's parents, he tells them, I'm going to fix the offensive line, I'm going to protect your son. Then he strips the team bare, he strips the cupboard bare. So either he was lying to their parents or he's incompetent, you know, at, at doing what he was going to do in that first stage. 2020 free agents, Brashard Perriman, Van Rotten, Brian Poole, Neville Hewitt. 2020 draft, Beckton over Justin Jefferson and Tristan Wirfs. Mims, Ashton Davis, Jabari Zuniga, no longer in the league. James Morgan, no longer in the league. Free agents in 2021, Keelan Cole, Carl Lawson, Corey Davis, Tevin Coleman. You, you know what I think of those guys. Uh, uh, 2021 draft, Elijah Moore, no longer on the team. Found a gem in Vera Tucker and found a good player in Michael Carter II. 2022 draft, where you had the 4th, the 10th, and what the, 20, and the 12th or something pick. Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Sauce, Jermaine Johnson. No complaints there. I think it's kind of hard to blow those picks at, at where they were. So now in his fifth year as the GM, he's been great with trades. He's had four drafts that he's been responsible for. You know what they've yielded? Four drafts and six first-round picks. Out of all four drafts and six first-round picks, they've yielded five starters. That's the issue. That's the issue. And people love to talk about how the Jets have talent. They do have talent. But since he's been here, he's never been able to field a complete team. Mm-hmm. Backup quarterback, quarterback, offensive line. I hear people calling the station. Some guy called earlier this morning. He said it's a clown show to criticize Joe Douglas. No. My brother, what glasses are you wearing? And another thing, and too, another is... another guy said, he... look, let's check this out. Another guy called the Dan K show and said, look, I know Joe Douglas. I think he's a great GM. I know he hasn't ever got us a backup quarterback, and I know he hasn't fixed the offensive line, <laughs> and I don't like Rob Sal as a coach. How do all of those three things match up? How do you These ignore people are that? Nuts. <laughs> These people are nuts. Another bro. thing, too, Buddha. Look, in real time, we all were, you know, we all were kind of like crossing our fingers, hoping that it didn't blow up in their faces. But the Rodgers trade where Green Bay, the swap where you go from from 13 to 15, and, you know, New England sitting there in front of you, and they they got the the trade with Pittsburgh who went up and got the tackle, Broderick Jones, like that could hurt you too. And and look, people are going to say Broderick Jones not that good anyway. But the fact that you had to address the tackle position – and you you facilitate facilitated a trade where you traded back and wasn't able to get that tackle is another demerit. Yes, and listen, Ty, you and I discussed this a thousand times. You were higher on the Rogers trade than I was, but listen to what you just said about Dwayne Brown. He's thirty eight years old. He's hurt again, and you know you don't know if you could depend on him again. So circa to where Aaron Rodgers is right now, it's the same thing. You don't even know if he ever comes back mm-hmm. from this Achilles thing. And what's really bad about it, bro, is this is the problem. They're totally confused at what to do at quarterback. That's why they didn't get a, a backup quarterback in here. They hedged all their bets on Rodgers. And then now, next year, he's sort of holding you hostage. What are you going to do? You, if the Jets have a bad season this year, you're going to draft the offensive tackle based on 
waiting for Rodgers to come back, when you know what would be the best and most healthiest thing for the franchise in this quarterback-rich draft that's coming up yeah. would be to reboot and start over. But you can't even do you it. You can't do it, especially because especially because of it. how things played out in Green Bay. And we know for years that team was a contender, and he needed some weapons on offense. They could have had Justin Jefferson as well. And they decided, you know, to keep drafting other guys and, you know, trade up to draft Jordan Love and take, you know, defensive tackles and whatnot. So, I mean, to your point, I appreciate the call, Buddha, up against the clock. It's not just about Zach Wilson. We harp on it because it's the most glaring. And I don't think it's lazy to look at that. It's that that's the most glaring on your resume. When you draft a quarterback, we judge you based on whether or not that quarterback is a hit or he's a miss. And so far, he is a woeful miss. But, you know, to your point about all, all the other drafts he's had, I brought up 2020 with M- M- if Makai Becton doesn't find a way to, be, you know, become anything close to what you thought he would be. That's a wash of a draft. Free agency. You didn't even mention Ryan Khalil. <laughs> Bringing him in, you know, when, when he had retired. And you thought that that was going to be a solution. So it's a, a ginormous mess. 800-919-3776. We wrap up hour number two when we return right here on 9870 ESPN.